You may be seated. I'll make honest confession. After a week where we have traveled back and forth and we've spent time with our family, I never feel prepared to preach when I've had a week of distractions. Now, I don't know if you understand that or not, but that's the way I feel. And yet I know that the Lord is a gracious God and he will be honored and he'll be glorified. But uh, it's been a busy week and there's been a lot of things that's transpired this week that have been wonderful. There's been things take place this week that we don't even understand. And we've had a lot of heartache and a lot of pain that's happened in families with this church. And so I hope you will be in prayer for those who have faced tragedy this week and lost this week. And pray that today God would just work in a very special way in our hearts and our lives, that we would be sensitive to him and to what his spirit is trying to say to us today. And many times when I'm trying to preach and communicate, I don't feel like I'm adequate to communicate the truth that I believe God has impressed upon me. Because sometimes I'm just thinking, Lord, are they getting it? And is it me? Am I expressing it the right way? But anyway, that's where I am today. And you know in life that, that you'll see people who, who seem to make an artwork out of doing nothing. You know anybody like that? They just don't do nothing. And they've got it down to a science and you try to figure it out because they don't do anything. And, and that's their goal in life, to get by and not do anything. And then you got this group over here. They're always doing something. They're very busy. And they can do extraordinary stuff. And so we're hoping that the people over here who are doing nothing will get motivated and kind of move over here to do something. It don't have to be extraordinary, but but start doing something. And and then you got this group over here. And and sometimes people do extraordinary things and they don't even acknowledge Jesus Christ. Have you looked at some of the buildings that are built by by men who who they don't have a, a relationship with Christ? You, you look at some of the medical advances, and, and we all have doctors that we may even go to. They don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, but they do extraordinary things. They are very intelligent, highly competent people. And yet, God doesn't want you as a child of His doing nothing. He doesn't necessarily want you as His child doing extraordinary stuff. Because what he wants is, he wants us to do supernatural things. Now you say, wait a second, preacher. I can't do supernatural stuff. I can't either. And that's the beauty of it. Because you see, God wants to do it through us. God wants to do it with us. God wants to use us in his kingdom work to do stuff we can't even comprehend. I mean, if you have not committed to memory, Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3, you need to commit this one verse to memory. I was raised, and this was called God's phone number, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You ought to commit that verse to memory. Because God is saying, call upon me and I'm going to show you some stuff that you can't even get your arms around. I'm going to answer you. Why? Because I'm your father. I'm the good shepherd and I care about my sheep. Call upon me and I will answer you. Look at the New Testament in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. You ought to commit this one to memory as well. 
Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Think about that. God said, I'm able to do beyond what you can even think of. I can think some pretty good stuff, can't you? I can come up with some pretty good ideas, can't you? God says, that don't even come close to what I can do. See, see, this is the promise of the Father. He says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We serve a great God. We serve the living Lord. We serve a Father who is all powerful. He is all present. He is all wise. He is all knowing. And do you realize the same God who raised Jesus Christ, God himself from the dead, that same power that he took and brought Christ from the dead back to life again resides in you if you've been born again the power of God rests inside our lives and he says therefore just doing stuff is not what I'm really impressed with you see all my good stuff really doesn't impress God because God says I spoke the world into being so your little efforts really don't impress me. But what impresses God is when you and I, His children, yield to Him and we're sensitive to His voice and we're obedient to His Word and He does in us and through us that which we cannot do. He says, that's what I like. I mean, God says, I'm God. Call on me. And I will show you things that you cannot even comprehend. Call upon me and I will answer you in ways that, that, that you cannot even imagine. And so, so in life what we find that, that transpires is all of us, we live at a certain level of leadership. Now, now, you may be a homemaker, but listen to me. If you're a homemaker, you are a leader in your home. You are to be an influencer in your household. You are to be one who, who, who influences your children. You're to be one who influences your spouse. But hear me, no matter where you are in life, you can be the president of a corporation. You can be someone who is not that. You can be a paperboy delivering papers as I did one time. But hear me, you will have an ability. You have a leadership role. And every leader faces the same thing. You know what we face? We face crisis. Amen. We got a good one back there. Y'all might learn from her. See, see, we face crisis. Life is filled with crisis situation. Life is filled with crisis moments. And sometimes we move from one crisis to the next crisis. And, and I've had people come up to me and say, Brother Mark, I need to talk to you. And, and, so they, sit down and they start telling me their story. And, and I'm listening to their story. And my mind is thinking, but I am not saying this. My mind thinks, you're in a mess. Amen. You ever thought that when somebody tells you their story? You think you're in a mess. And, and, and what you what you you don't say that, but, but but what you say and what you articulate, what I do is that have you looked in the Word of God to find a scripture promise that will meet your need? And most times they say, Well, no. Well, what's it for? 
to carry on Sunday? To put on your dashboard when the blue lights are behind you? Uh, 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 y'all guilty, I know that. See, 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 no, see, see, have you looked in the Word of God to say, God, give me a word? Have you gotten on your face and, and gone before the Father in seasons of praying? I'm not talking about a five-minute buckshot prayer you throw up into the heavens. I'm talking about you get alone with God and you start praying and thinking, God, show me. God, speak to me. See, see what have you done? Because you're in the middle of a mess. A crisis situation has arisen. How am I supposed to respond to this? See, see, we all deal with crisis. We all deal with complexities. We all, we all find ourselves in situations and, and there's a, a variety of paths that we can go in. And, and so, so, so we, we seek counsel and this person tells me this and this person tells me that and this person tells me the other. Why don't they agree? Because when people express to you their thoughts, they are expressing to you their values. And so if their values are not in keeping with the Word of God, you've got to have enough discernment to understand that. But the Bible says we are to seek godly counsel we are to seek direction because you see the word of god is truth and the church the body of christ the believers here today we are to be built upon the truth of god's word and we are to stand in truth we are to stand on truth we are to preach truth and hear me when you preach truth it's not always popular because it's not convenient right i mean jesus John chapter 6, thousands of people were with him. And he looked at him and he said, there's no more free lunch. And it says, the multitude left and followed him no more. When he gave them the demands of discipleship, here's the truth of God's word. There was an exodus of people leaving him. He stood on truth. Paul. He preached the truth. Paul, he said later, he said, no man stands with me. All have forsaken me. So, so just because you express the truth, preach the truth, stand on truth, don't think you're going to gain a crowd. But hear me, you don't have a choice as a child of God. You have only the Word of God, the truth that God's Word says. And the truth of God will show you how to handle life's complexities. It will show you how to handle life's issues. And it will run contrary to what the world says. Because the world says, no, you take the easy way out, you take the convenient way out. As you live life, you'll face crisis. As you live life, you'll face complexities. As you live life, you will face betrayals. There will be people who will turn their back on you. People you have loved, people you have encouraged, maybe people you have discipled, but they will turn their back on you. Get ready. Because that's what happens in the Bible. And it's painful. But you still stand on truth. You still live according to God's Word. Hear me. You will not, cannot make everybody happy and live for Jesus Christ. I was reading this book this week. 
and it's sad you read a whole big book and you get one sentence out of it. But that's about where I am. But I read this book, and, and the best sentence in the book is this. If you lead, you will inflict pain. Moms, dads, you lead your children. Have you ever inflicted pain? I'm not talking about corporal punishment, though that was probably part of it. I'm talking about saying, no, you can't go here. You can't go there. They don't understand why, but we understand the safety matters that we are trying to build into their life. But if you lead, you cannot lead and make everybody happy. There are relationships that will shift. Change causes difficulties in people's lives. And when you are leading and you are an agent of change, there's going to be pain. Not that you're wanting to hurt, but that there's going to be pain because that's the way life is. And and so hear me, you have to deal with betrayal because people don't always understand. You will deal with loneliness as a leader. You will deal with those situations where where you're abandoned and nobody knows. Somebody said, if you want a friend, get a dog. That's why I got three, right? All right, see, see, see. You're going to be lonely sometimes because people do not always understand as much as they want to. They don't understand. But this is part of life. If you are a leader, you will experience weariness. Anybody ever get tired? Anybody ever get weary? You're just, you're just fatigued. And, and see, sometimes the physical fatigue, that's the easiest to take care of because we can get in the recliner, we can take a nap. But when you are stressed mentally and you are stressed emotionally, how do you rest then? Well, you have to learn to rest in Christ Jesus. But weariness is part of it. And sometimes in the middle of our own situation, we're saying, God, I need help. And sometimes we need more than help. We need a miracle. Do you believe God does miracles? Do you believe God does miracles for you? Most people believe God does miracles for other people, but they don't do miracles for me. It's easier for me to believe God's going to do a miracle for you than he is for me. But guys, we have a God who is a miracle-making God, a miracle-working God. We have a God who loves us, and he says, I know the situations that you find yourself in. I know what is transpiring in your life, and I want to lead you, guide you. I want to show you what it is to live on miracle ground. I want you to know me in such a way that, that when, 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 when I am needed by you to perform a miracle, you don't hesitate. When was the last time you said, God, I need a miracle? I'm not saying I need it for my sister, my brother, my mother, my father. I'm saying, God, I need a miracle for me. Because we serve a God who does miracles. But here's what I found out about miracles. Every time to experience a miracle, you know what you have to have? A need. And we don't like having needs, do we? And we like taking care of our own needs, our own way. And that can create more mess. But start realizing, when you find yourself with a need beyond your ability, we serve a God who can meet that need. And we serve a God who can respond to the needs that we have. Now, 
Go to 2 Kings chapter 5. I go back to this chapter so many times because there's so many different aspects of truth that we can discern out of this. And it says there in chapter 5, verse 1, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance into Syria. And he was also a mighty man in valor. Look at this man. He's got all this stuff going on. He was great. He was honorable. He was a mighty man of valor. But he was a leper. So what's your situation? I've got all this going on, this going on, this. But I've got this issue. I'm a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and they had brought up captive out of the land of Israel a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver. 6,000 pieces of gold, 10 changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel and said, Now, when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of leprosy. How would you like to get that letter? Greg, here's a letter. Fix him. That's kind of overwhelming, isn't it? But let me tell you about the problem. The problem was leprosy. The problem was, was an issue that he had long before he realized he had it. You understand me? See, see, when you have leprosy, you have it for a season, for a time before you realize you have it. And someplace, somewhere, someone in this room, you've got an issue right now that you don't even know you got. But you've already got it. And you have a need that you don't even know you have. But you've already got it. And so you need to be aware that when you have an issue, when you have a need that you don't even know you got yet, when you do realize you got it, there is a place you can go. And it's not to the king of Israel, but it's to the king of glory. And he is the one who can work on your behalf. And he is the one that can respond to the needs that, that you have, that you have in your life. You see, with, with, with leprosy in the Old Testament, there was no cure for this. There was no hope for this. And so, so let me tell you, whatever your situation might be in life, whatever you're going through in life, let me tell you, here's the first step of walking on miracle ground. Here's the first step of positioning yourself where God can move on your behalf. Is this? You have to be willing to embrace your problem. Have you embraced your problem? Or are you living in denial? How do I embrace a problem, preacher? James chapter 1. Count it all joy. When I fall into various trials. How good are you at counting it all joy for problems? Now, I'll confess to you, I'm not real good at this. I was being a smart aleck with Shar yesterday, and I know you shocked you. Those folks down from us decided they would move their chicken manure while we were gone. 
and there's about an inch of it for about a block on the road and now there's about an inch of it underneath their car and we get out and Char says you smell that you smell that she's got a good smeller I don't I did smell that you smell that and I said count it all joy <laughs> she never commented to me out loud anyway see 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 but, but how good are you at taking your problems and saying, Lord, I want to count it all joy. Now, we, we, we love blessings, don't we? Lord, it's been Christmas time and you've blessed me and I count that all joy. Thank you, Jesus. But, but how good are you at taking the problems that you have in your life, the real issues of life, and saying, God, I don't understand it. God, I don't necessarily feel it. But God, I want to thank you. That's embracing the problem by faith. Because it takes faith to embrace a problem. And see, see that's, that's the thing is, you, you, you have to embrace the problem to get yourself positioned on miracle ground. See, how many of y'all pray for our country to turn back to Jesus? I hope you do. I hope you pray for America that we will turn back to God. But before America will turn back to God, the church has got to turn back to God. You remember when God sent Jonah to Nineveh? Before Nineveh ever repented, the preacher had to repent. You see that? So, if you want to put yourself where God can do the miraculous, the first thing that we learn is, is you've got to embrace the problem. And, and, and then you've got to turn to, to God as your source for the supernatural. Now, look what it says in verse 5. In, in, in the first part, it says, And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Now, now he's going to the wrong person. Isn't he not? Now, now, understand, normally the prophets, they worked for the king in those times, and so he was just following normal protocol. But, but the source was not the king of Israel. Our source is not in our presence. Our source is to be God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord says in verse 8, Verse 7, it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that the man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Who, wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. If you need a miracle, embrace the situation and go to the right place. Go to the right source. We say, well, he went to the prophet. 
Yes. Why would he go to the prophet? He's just a preacher. He went to the man who had a word from God. And that's what you've got to understand. If you want a miracle of Almighty God, it always comes the same way. It comes beginning with a word from God. Because it's when the word of God is sent forth, and the word of God is spoken, and the word of God is received, and the word of God is responded to, that's when it starts taking place. So he went to the place where he could get a word See, see, that's, that's, that's why people need to come to church. You need to come to a Bible-believing, God-fearing, Holy Ghost-filled church. And they're not all that way. Because you need to sit in a place where the Word of God comes out. And you can get saturated in the Word of God. And over time, hear me, you get hardened, lost people coming to church. And the Word of God works on them. The Word of God disturbs them. The Word of God convicts them. The Spirit of God draws them. And God saves them. Don't you remember what it was like when you were lost? You didn't want to be at church. Why? Because it was miserable. Why? Because the Spirit brought conviction. And if you've never experienced conviction, you've never experienced salvation. It's a gift. So so he got him to the source of the Word of God. He he came there. And and he comes. Look what it says. He stood at the door of the house of Elisha. He came with an expectation. Did you expect God to do anything? Or you keep doing everything? What are you expecting of God? Do you expect God to touch, to minister, to heal, to deliver, to set free? What's your expectation? Now, now look... Naaman gets a little bit twisted. At verse 10, And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Well, that didn't sit right with Naaman. Here he's made this trip. He's brought a letter from his king to the king of Israel. He's got money. He's got silver, gold, clothes. His expectation was... This preacher ought to come out and meet me. This preacher ought to act a certain way to me. But he didn't. He sent out a servant to tell me something, and he didn't like what he heard. Did you ever not like what you hear from the preacher? You ain't got to get mad at me. I know. I've been doing this 40 years. He sent him a servant. And Naaman, this warrior who's got a situation he can't fix, he got offended because he didn't do what he expected. He expected a different response. And then what the word was was go dip seven times in the filthy Jordan River. And he says... Look at these rivers in Syria. They're cleaner. Why not just wash there? And finally, another man spoke to him. And he said, if, if God had told you something great to do, would you not have done it? But he's telling you something simple. Go down. 
and bathe in dirty water. Now think about this. Don't you think all water is dirty compared to what God knows? Even the crystal clear streams we know compared to what holiness and purity of Almighty God and glory. And Naaman, he realized he heard a word from God. See, see, see this thing. When you hear a word from God, your responsibility is just like mine. I've got to act on it. You know how I act on it? I have to adjust my life to what it says. And if I don't adjust my life to what it says, there's no faith. There's no expression. So, so I embrace the problem. I go to the right source. And then when I receive the word from God... I act on what God has said. Because if we don't act and respond to what God has said, we're going to miss it all. So what problem do you have? What miracle are you needing? That if God doesn't do it, it's not going to happen. Now look what it says. Verse 14, and he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. Now, do you know what the world's telling him? The world said, Naaman, you're crazy. Naaman, why are you doing that? Naaman, don't you know that's ridiculous? Isn't that what the world tells us? When you adjust your life, your lifestyle to the Word of God, you adjust yourself to the body of Christ, the church, you adjust your finances to give obediently unto the kingdom of God. The world says, you're crazy. You don't have to do that. He dipped in that water and he came back out and he's still leprous. I compare this to the children of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho, right? Seven days they marched around those walls. Nothing happened for six days. Six times he dips down in that muddy Jordan River. And he, you think that's not trying on your faith? I mean, you would think it would start clearing up a little bit, don't you? Don't you think it may start to clear? Oh, it's clearing up. I'm going to go back down there. No, I don't think it did. I think it's just staying just like it is, staying completely like it was. And then all of a sudden on that seventh time, he plunged down into that dirty water. When he plunged down in, he came back out. He was brand new. He was like a baby skin. He was whole. He was healed. He was glorifying God. And the world was amazed. Do you need a miracle? You have to embrace your problem. You have to go to the right source. You have to hear a word from God. And you have to respond in obedience to the word from God. And then, and then, then look what happens. You, 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 you say... And he returned to the man of God. He and all his company came and he stood before him and he said, Behold now, I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. And now therefore I pray thee take a blessing of thy servant. He goes and he testifies of 
God's work in his life. Do you know where we stumble? The very beginning. We don't thank him for the problem. Or if we thank him, we thank him with the wrong attitude. You ever done that? Thank you, Lord. I don't, I don't like it, but thank you. And so we need an attitude adjustment. See, thankful. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. How's your thankfulness? Now sit there just a second and start listing half a dozen things in your mind that irritate you, that are issues. now I start saying, Lord, thank you. I don't understand it. I don't necessarily like it, but I am going to thank you because in this process you are working. But I've got to embrace this and I've got to exalt you. I thank you, Father. Because you see, when you thank him on that end, that testifying gets real easy, don't it? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what he did for me. Let me tell you how he died on Calvary and he saved my wretched soul. Let me tell you how his blood covered me and cleansed me. Let me tell you how he set my feet on solid rock and he got me off that path to damnation and hell and he set me headed for the road of glory. Let me tell you how my God has provided for me. Let me tell you how my God has sustained me. Let me tell you when the morning was so great and the grief was so heavy, he saw me through. Let me tell you how he delivered me out of this addiction, how he delivered me out of this body. Let me tell you about my Jesus. But you start by getting honest and embracing the situation. And you don't dictate to God. Because, see, that's part of our expectation problem is we have an ex God, you're going to do it this way. God, you touched Charlene this way, so you're going to touch me that way. God, you work however you want to work. This just came to me. When the little maid spoke to Naaman's wife, she spoke a word of truth to him. He had to leave where he was to obey. And sometimes what you have to understand is You've got to get out of your comfort zone. See, see, we want God to touch and heal us so we can go back doing just like we were doing before. Not going to happen. If that's your idea, not going to happen. Naaman went away changed. He was different. He took dirt from Israel with him. See, see, and so, so when you hear... The response is, I've got to adjust. And I'm not going back. Remember the story of the wise men? Wise men from the east came. How many were there? Well, the song says three, right? There's probably a hundred. We don't know there was three. But when they showed up in that place, Jerusalem... Everybody knew they were here. So I'm thinking there was a hundred. They brought three different gifts. But I'm thinking there was a hundred of them. And they may have been riding stallions as well as camels. And when they showed up, 
Everybody took notice. But they left a different way than they came. And that's what God says about you. He said, I want you to leave different. I want you to leave a different way. Walk a different path. Do you need a miracle? Well, you might not need it today, but 2020, I guarantee you, every one of us in this room, at some point, we're going to need a miracle. We will. And we need to be on miracle ground where God wants us to be. Because he's not impressed because we do extraordinary things. And we can build big buildings and we can come up with great plans. What he wants is to see the supernatural taking place here because he's working through us. Father, we bow before you this morning. Lord, I pray that you minister to needs right now. People right now, Father, are articulating to you the need that they have, the miracle that they need to experience. And they don't understand why it's taken so long. Maybe because of one thing or the other. I don't either, Lord. But, but Father, today, you've shown us what it means to get on miracle ground, to embrace, to be thankful, Father, for even the problems and the issues of life. Because, God, you work those in our life to make us into the men and women of faith that you want us to be. And, God, you don't ever give a miracle before the right time comes. And sometimes, God, we've got to wait a little bit longer because you've got a little more to chip off and to chisel away in my life. But, Father, I thank you that you are a miracle-working God. And, God, I pray today that you would do the one miracle, God, that is needed above all things this morning. That is that you would take a lost person, man, woman, boy, or girl, speak to them by the convicting power of your Holy Spirit, show them their sin, their lostness, God, and Father, let them respond to you in faith and be born anew. God, do that miracle work this morning. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, let me encourage you, this altar is open. If you would come, we can show you with an open Bible what it means to be saved. You have no guarantee of another day. Don't put it off as God speaks to your heart. So lost man, lost woman, boy, girl, if you're not saved, won't you come? And for those who know Christ, what's he said to you this morning? Is there a miracle you need? I'm not asking on behalf of this one or the other, but for you. What do you need in your life? Are you on miracle ground? Altars open. Respond to the Father. Obey His word.